Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, who are excited to introduce their all new Rate Shield approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield approval is a game changer, and here's why. Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop, and if rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops, so you win either way. It's the kind of thinking that you would expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com. It's Thursday, October 11th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio, it's Jeff Fisher. How are you? Doing well. How are you, Chris? I'm good. This is the Everybody Calm Down episode of Market Foolery. Bring in the. Everybody take a breath. Everybody just. Bring in the half dead advisor to just calm you down. <laughs> no, well, no, not half dead. Bring, bring in. Emotionally, the... I mean. Oh. <laughs> Jeff Fisher. Great investor slash dead inside. Um, no, I, I wanted you in here because you've seen this a couple of times. Um, mm-hmm. uh, certainly, we saw this. And, and, and look, let, let's not overblow what's happening today. We'll talk about what's happening today. But this is not, at the moment, this is not 2008 and this is not 2001. Exactly. This is not the dot bomb. And uh, I will say, Chris, like you, uh, declines used to bother me much more. And so, any investor that's newer to this pursuit than you or or I is going to be more shaken, I imagine, than we are. But once you've been through it a few times, you internalize that declines are a natural part of investing, just as you believe you have the right, the American-given right, to grow your capital in the markets. You need to internalize and and really know that the cost of Growing your money over time is that markets decline, and I can give you stats on how often they decline. We'll get to that. Well, yes, and also let's let's take a step back, which is hard to, as you said, it's hard to do, particularly for newer investors. Anyone who started investing in, I don't know, 2010. If you started investing in 2010, it's basically been mm. <laughs> nothing but sunshine and rainbows <laughs> for the most part. Unicorns and yes, yeah, all of that. It's been phenomenal, but even within. 2018, it seems like, among other things that's happening right now, is what has changed is the narrative, among other things. But think back to earlier in the year where the the Uber narrative overhanging in the market was, hey, the economy's doing great, and corporate tax cuts, and that's doing wonderful things for the companies that we own shares of. And now, the narrative has shifted, and it. The narrative now is, as we talked about last week on Motley Fool Money, rising interest rates, um, stocks being slightly less attractive. You've got the cost of goods going up. You've got the cost of wages going up, mm-hmm. and so all of those things, I think, we need to internalize and also factor into our expectations for this earnings season. All of that, and you have super low unemployment rates as well. So, how much better can that get? So, yeah, everything does look a little bit stretched to the positive after all these years of expansion. That said, interest rates are still historically low. Uh, GDP is still growing well above recessionary levels, which is a recession is any time that GDP declines year over year two quarters in a row. And we're nowhere near that right now. And usually the market declines in a, in a lasting fashion. Meaning for a, a few years when there is a recession, not not without a recession typically. So keeping that perspective, we still have more positives than negatives on balance. We do have the lower tax rates uh, driving earnings growth even higher this year, and that advantage for the most part goes away next year. But uh, you have strong enough economic growth 
to make leading companies continue grow to grow earnings next year. That said, we're also seeing more concerns about the trade war that's starting to affect more companies. More companies are talking about it in conference calls. I expect that this month as well with earnings. Uh, the trade war so far has hurt international uh, foreign companies more than U.S. companies, but that is slowly starting to to change. Yeah, Jim Mueller was talking about that the other day when he was here in the studio, and just sort of one of the things he's going to be watching this earnings season is tariffs and um, and how often that comes up, uh, not just in the reports but on the conference calls as well. Um, I want to go back to something you touched on because it, it reminded me, you know, just again, it, it doesn't feel good to look <laughs> to look at your portfolio and say, oh gosh, it's you know, I didn't know <laughs> I knew. I knew that stock was going to be down. I didn't know it was going to be down that much, that sort of thing. But mm-hmm. it, it reminded me of the, of the David Gardner quote that stocks always go down faster than they go up, but they go up more than they go down. So true. And to put some some numbers on that, since 1960, the S and P 500 has had a positive return. 79% of the time, so almost eight out of every ten years, the S and P is up. For the year, so only two out of ten years has it declined since 1960, and going all the way back to 1928, so including the Great Recession, the market, the S&P, has still been positive 73 percent of the time. So three quarters of the time, basically, the market is up. One quarter of the time, it's down. But those down years are far and few between. You you'll have many up years for every one down year, just as you said, Chris. So yes, David is right. These Declines thankfully happen quickly, so they feel sharp. It's like a sharp stick in the stomach with a knife. <laughs> happens so quickly, and then wait, does that happen to you in your lifetime? <laughs> uh, no. I mean, I could go into one time when I was robbed in Paris at knife point, but that's that's another story. The knife <laughs> stayed outside your body. Fortunately. It did. It did. It was just on, on my neck. Oh lord! But uh, in broad daylight. Uh, it, it, so it feels a little like that. I, I can tell you how that feels. It happens very quickly. Next thing you know, you, you, all the money you were taking out of the ATM is gone. But that's okay because you're thinking long term, and there's more in the bank. That's there true. you go. Do we tie that in pretty well? I think you did tie that in well. So it, it also comes down to with declines to know thyself, and we can talk about that uh, as well. I think we're going to talk even more about declines, right? Yeah. Well, and and uh, question. We've been getting questions emailed to us and, and tweeted us, and we're going to get to some of those questions. But I want to talk about one company uh, in. Uh, specifics, and that's Square, because there are a bunch of companies that are down. Uh, Square is really down. I mean, that's a stock that just in the past week is down more than thirty percent. Today comes the news that Sarah Fryer, who's the chief financial officer, is leaving by the end of the year. Um, Sarah Fryer, phenomenal leader at Square, um, helped take the company public. Uh, uh, she's going to be CEO at um, a company. I think the company's called Nextdoor, That's which right. has raised a ton of money and still private. And so, so kudos to her. And and this is this is one of those things where it's like she's so good at her job, and I understand why they are sorry to see her go. I, I'm I'm still. This is one of those drops today, though, where I just sort of look and I go, um. They're going to hire another CFO, though, aren't they? I mean, yes, it's a loss, but it seems like, at least in the case of Square today, this seems like a little bit of mania in terms of the selling. I mean, Sarah Fryer must be feeling good today. Yes, like, hey, yes, 
I matter. She does matter a lot. She has been there since 2012. So, as you said, Chris, she's really taken them from start to, to now. And she's a more strategic CFO than, than many frequently are. You can tell in the conference calls that she has a hand in the direction of the company and all the many business units that it has have needed a, kind of a, a unifying person at the top and along with the CEO Jack Dorsey she's been she has been that so they're losing a, a key person on the on the staff that's true but they will have her replaced hopefully by December she plans to be there through December and the stock uh, I, I'm encouraged that it's volatile because we've seen that in the past when a, when a company does as well as Square has done from a share price wise it was 20 about a year and three months ago, it ran all the way to about a hundred, and now it's back to seventy-ish. So mid sixties today. Mid sixties now. Oh, it's been five minutes. It's, yeah. it's down another five dollars. <laughs> uh, it's not surprising to see that kind of volatility. It's a thirty-seven billion dollar market value company, so it's still smallish, although it's not small by any means now. Uh, it's doing a lot of things right. Uh, they do point out that of all their many divisions, where they, you know they have processing, they have hardware, they have software, they have uh, finance uh, and things like delivery, caviar. All of those divisions have their own sort of CEO at the head of them. So there is a lot of disintermediated leadership and then unification at the top. So I think they shouldn't miss a beat in their operations. But this is clearly a a loss, but but congratulations to Sarah Fryer. It's rare, relatively rare. I saw a report: only six to seven percent of of CFOs go on to become a CEO of a of a meaningful company. So, this gets at one of the. We're basically getting two types of questions. Um, one has to do with selling, and one has to do with buying. And let's start with the selling, because certainly we're seeing that on an institutional level. That's part of what is fueling this drop, is that whether it's mutual funds, hedge funds, whatever, you've got companies that bought Square when it was twenty. It runs up to a hundred, and they think, well, you know what? Uh, this we're going to lock in our gains. We're going to take some money off the table. You know, choose whatever cliche you want. And so that's a question that we're getting from some folks: is okay. I've got. I bought Amazon when it was at five hundred dollars a share. It ran up to two thousand. Well, now it's at seventeen hundred, so it's fallen back from that. But that's still that's still a tremendous win in terms of an investment. Should I sell? And so I, I guess. Uh, everyone has their own situation, so we can't speak to everyone individually. But I guess my question for you is, um, what process should investors go through when trying to make that decision, when trying to answer the question, should I sell this stock that I have made money on? <laughs> Such a great question, and it really kind of encapsulates the the challenge of investing as a whole and the challenge of living your life in the moment versus for the future, uh, especially when you have invested time that has turned into capital, and you don't want to lose that, neither the time nor the capital. So, yeah, you bought Amazon, say, five years ago at 500 It's lately $2,000 per share. Great gain. Do you take it? It does come down to a few questions, the way I see it. One is to know yourself and know why you're invested in that company. If you no longer believe in the company itself, it's a pretty easy choice to get out. Pay your taxes if you have to, because if you don't believe in it, don't stick with it. 
if you need the cash within three years, you should always sell. Uh, you shouldn't have money in the market that you need within three years. That's just been a fool golden rule for since inception in 1993. Uh, but beyond that, if you weren't going to randomly sell a stock at a higher price, why would you now randomly sell it because it's at a lower price? Check your emotions and, and try to see if you're just nervous, you're worried it's going to keep falling, naturally. But are you living too much in the moment versus living for the future? Where do you see Amazon in, in three to five years? I always try to think only in terms of three years. When I look across my portfolio, I look at each company and think, well, where do I see it in three years? I don't really care about right now as long as they're doing well right now and on a path that I believe in. It's where do I see them in three years? If you can't make a strong case in your own mind and in your own numbers and looking at the world as a whole and your company in it, for why that company should be much larger in three years, then you have to start questioning, why do I still own it? But other than that, just because the market is volatile, it's, that is not an argument for selling it. Maybe an argument for buying more of the best companies out there. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, first, quick shout out to Quicken Loans. Our friends at Quicken Loans are, are doing something about the anxiety, not so much in the stock market, but in the home buying market. They're calling it the power buying process. And here's how it works Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval, and that gives you the strength of a cash buyer. And then once you're verified, you qualify for their all new exclusive rate shield approval. They will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. And the best part is, if rates go up, your rate stays the same. And if rates go down, your rate also drops. And when I think about the next 90 days, uh, I think uh, rates are probably going up. So it looks that way. That's that's uh, that's how I would. December, bet. another rate hike yes. is expected. So either way, you're going to win, and it's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to RocketMortgage.com/fool. Rate shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal housing lender licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. So, the other question we're getting is about buying. Mm -hmm. uh, we encourage people to have a watch list of stocks for opportunities like this. If you've got a little cash in your account, if you've got a watch list, and now all of a sudden the stocks on your watch list are 10% cheaper, 20% cheaper, whatever, than they were a week ago. It's great to see people with that mindset of, hey, I'm, I'm going to try and do a little shopping. How should people go through the process of deciding? Because if, in fact, you do have, and we're, and a lot of times we'll get questions like, hey, here, it's almost like in fantasy football when people are like, okay, who should I add to my roster this week of these three <laughs> wide receivers? Instead, it's, all right, I got a little bit of money, I got these three stocks on my watch list. Which one should I add? So, and that, answer might change as the market changes day by day. So you look at your watch list, typically on a normal kind of calm day, you have your list of favorites. You just want them at a lower price. But when you see the market start to fall as it did yesterday, and you guys did a good job talking about it yesterday as well. And congratulations on 1,500 episodes. That's Thank you. Thank incredible. you for being here for part of those. I think I was here for 33 of those. <laughs> You've been here like for more than Maybe that. Maybe more than that. We need big data on it. Like, how many have you hosted of 1,500? Uh, Obviously, 90-some percent. So, you know, here's the thing. Someone asked me about, like, uh, essentially looking back and, like, and, and 
it is sort of wild to think back to January 2011 when we started, and and I never would have imagined 1,500. What's weirder to me is when people uh, and people were very nice and congratulating and saying, "Hey, here's to the next 1,500." What's weird to me is when I project forward, and I think, "Oh, wait, if we do another 1,500, and and." There's a very good chance that we will do another 1500. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'll be the host in 1500 episodes mm. from now because 1500 episodes from now, I'm going to be within just a few <laughs> months of my 60th birthday. No. Th- yes, I've I've no. done the math on that. You look far too young, and I'm in the same boat. By the way, <laughs> I appreciate that, but that was that was the thing that weirded me out this morning. Where I was like, "Wait a minute, seven years it was, from now?" It was like seven years. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going to be." Yep. I'm going to be in the back half of 59 years old, staring down 60. Yeah, but that's the new 30. By the time we're <laughs> 60, <laughs> 60 is the new 30. Uh, let's hope. So, and what one thing that you talked about yesterday? Brilliant way to tie it all back in. Thank you for getting us back. Is on diversification. And so, when you look at your watch list, you may you may find that you have a lot of like or similar companies. I do. Uh, I'm very tech oriented, very software driven. And they're all getting clocked. And in one sense, that's good. I may want to buy some of those that have been hit so hard. But if you think there's more declines ahead, you might want to instead look on your list for companies that are not falling as much. Maybe they're defensive, healthcare, pharmaceuticals, who knows what, energy, and buy those instead so that you diversify your portfolio a bit. So look at all of your holdings. If they're all moving together, try to buy something that won't be in the same boat. You want to add a little. Diversification to your price movements because there are studies that show that today's leaders become future losers for a while, laggards for a while, and the current laggards become leaders for a while. They they transition. It's commonly called rotation, Chris. <laughs> and to the extent that it's actually worth worrying about that, uh, look into it. But for the most part, as fools, long-term fools, we just want to buy and own the best companies we possibly can. For the next three to five years, and much longer. Uh, I I love the idea of of thinking about it not so much in terms of stock price, but just sort of category and looking and saying, okay, well, I've got some tech, I've got some healthcare, you know, I have no energy stock, so maybe I should be looking at energy that sort of thing. In terms of the price, because you and I chatted about this yesterday, there could be stocks out. There. I mean, I I haven't looked closely enough at Square. Square is down. Thirty percent this week, and for all I know, by some metrics, it may still be a, an expensive stock. So, uh, yeah. how, like in terms of the financials, is there anything in particular people should be looking at when they say? Because of course, the easiest thing to do is just look at the price. Well, the price is down. You know, it's everything I have on my watch list is twenty percent lower. All right, now what? What's the next financial metric people should be looking at? Another great question. This is a this is a tough show. I like it. <laughs> I like being challenged. Um, so, if you own a lot of things in your portfolio similar to Square, which is hard to value, it's it's expected to make a dollar per share or so in the next year. So it's at sixty sometimes forward earnings, which. In, to one extent, I think that's important to look at. To another extent, it's like looking at Amazon in 1999, and who who cares how it's valued at that point? You just look at the market cap, which was 
incredibly small compared to where it could go. Square at 37 billion market value still has a much larger market opportunity ahead of it, and we do believe that its profits will grow in kind as it grows sales. So the valuation it has today could look quite inexpensive three years from now. But maybe a better answer to your question, Chris, is if your portfolio is heavily weighted, as many fools are, and there's nothing wrong with this, it's actually good long term, in things like Square and uh, say Twilio or even Salesforce, things that are at higher valuations, you might want to look to add something that has a more easily recognizable and estimated Estimable is that a word? I think it is. <laughs> Estim an evaluation that you can estimate more easily, both the results and so the price. So look at something like Microsoft, which is growing strongly and not priced the way these other growth companies are, and add that into your mix. So, bottom line, I think, is to not just own one type of valuation category, uh, whether it's you're you're owning all high growth stocks that all have multiples that you you really can't. Fit onto a spreadsheet. See, I knew I had the right idea asking you to be on today. Well, I want to talk a little bit more about how frequently markets decline, too. We've run through this in the past, Chris, but it's always a good reminder. So, the SP 500, since 1900, uh, actually, this is the Dow Jones, but as we all know from Morgan Housel and others, the Dow Jones, amazingly, those 30 stocks track the SP 500 almost perfectly. Which is incredible. So the Dow Jones since 1900 uh, falls five percent or more, approximately three times every year, and the average length of that decline is a month and a half. So three times a year, expect a decline like we've just had. It falls ten percent or more, approximately once every year since 1900. So once every year, we're going to see a ten percent decline. That's just typical. So that's why, as we said at the outset, you have to internalize that these declines happen and have your list ready. And then buy the the companies that most appeal to you during the the, the decline, and then a fifteen percent decline that happens approximately once every two years, and a twenty percent decline happens once every three and a half years or so, and the average duration of each decline is in every single one of these cases is less than a year, typically much less, just a matter of months. So declines, as we said at the outset as well, are quick. They're sharp. They're quick. And then the market slowly grinds higher for hopefully a long time. The market rises about three out of every four years. Keep that in mind. Uh, but intra-year declines, though, are common. We expect to see many every year. Period. Jeff Fisher, thanks for being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about in the Motley Fool. May have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday.